Hello and welcome to the Chengdu Gaming Federation podcast. My name is Charlie. I'm here very excited at the Game On exhibition in Chengdu at the Eastern Suburb Memory Park. And I'm joined by a very special guest who's named Leonardo. Hello and welcome. Oh, thank you very much. Nice to be here. So I just got a fantastic tour of the exhibition from Leonardo. This is my second time visiting the exhibition. I've been telling everyone within earshot to come visit this place over the last week. And man, it's, I mean, for someone who's interested in games and living in Chengdu, this is about as exciting as it gets. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from and what is your role in this project? Well, um, my name is Leonardo, of course, as you said. <laughs> Um, I'm the exhibition consultant of the, of the show and I've been working with it for nearly eight years. Uh, and uh, my background is software engineering and I've always loved video games and uh, I started to be involved with programming and try to become like a, a game developer myself. But I think that uh, I started like to, to go to other areas <laughs> and uh, I found those guys. So basically the exhibition has been touring around the world for nearly 20 years. Um, yes. Um, and since since maybe 2002, I guess, so not that much, but it's been touring for a while. And it started in London. And uh, actually, it was not conceived to, it was not expected that it would tour that long. And, uh, but yeah, but you no, know, like there was a, a great feedback. And then other countries started like to want the show as well, because we have things that no one else has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of the people listening to this podcast will probably already know this, but you may not. When this organization and podcast was started, the CGF in 2015, the idea of it was to be an advocacy group, sort of, for retro and indie games. So our, our interest in particular is in those two areas. And we've hosted well over 100 events over the last four years. And it's been sort of like an educating process of, you know, playing what are considered to be obscure games. You know, one of the games which we just saw in the exhibition was Towerfall. <coughs> Excuse me. And we've hosted a couple Towerfall uh, tournaments. And most of the people who see it are like, oh, what is this? Is this an old game? They kind of don't know what it is. It's a, there's a little bit of unfamiliarity. And that's an indie game, but a lot of the retro games that we played are the same sort of deal, where people are like, oh, this looks cute, but I don't know what it is, because in China, people didn't grow up with, you know, any of this stuff. And so it's interesting to be a, for, a Westerner in China and to expose people to this. But you're doing this on so much of a bigger level. I mean, for anyone who hasn't visited this exhibition, it's like a history of video games starting at the very beginning. Exactly. Like, uh, and I think that it is very important not only because it's entertaining, but um, but I think that the, the one of the most important point of the show is not only um, to celebrate the, um, the history of video games, but also to preserve it, because this is something that is extremely important. So, um, because this tells us about ourselves, about humans, what we're trying to create, like since we can, since you know, like since from the 60s, you know, like since 1960, we we're already trying to to we're doing the same thing you know like that <laughs> yeah that you're basically doing today we're trying to we're doing that for for a long time yeah so tell me how did game on begin where did this begin and sort of who had the original idea if you know and how did this all get started almost 20 years ago 
Well, um, the original creator, like uh, the main original creator, is called Lucian King. He and he. He sounds like a final boss. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Um, he's a boss for sure. And uh, I think that he and um, and a group of people like he, I think that he and uh, contacted Barbican. For those who don't know, Barbican, um, it's a, a, um, a cultural center located in London. So it's one of the largest of, uh, in Europe, and uh, it's um, it, the Barbican produces exhibitions, right? So like um, maybe so 20 years ago, this. One of these curators, like Lucian King, he had this idea. He's already involved in the in the gaming industry for a while, and he had an idea to show people and to start to this preservation and celebration. Uh, how can I say? Uh, quest. Yeah, yeah, quest, <laughs> yeah. his journey. Yes, his, the journey, and then like, um, in the beginning, it was just to be uh, maybe. Uh, a three months exhibition, but then like people got more interest, and then like we started like to get uh, more involved with within the community, and uh, of course we all know that the uh, video game community is something that is very tight because it brings people together, right? So like we started like to receive like uh, a lot of, um, uh, of games and and you know like from developers and also from collectors who say, hey, I have this in my house, this is very important, and only you know like. Please show it to the world, you know. Yeah, truly precious yeah. things here. And and it's very very um, close to heart. It's, I have this very close to heart. Not only the show itself, but also because like when a collector gives his things for us, he knows that we're gonna you know like uh, show it to the world and take good care of it. It's like a it's like a priceless object. It's like a museum in here. Absolutely, yeah. It's a touring museum. It's funny yes. because right next door there's a Leonardo da Vinci exhibition, <laughs> yes. which you may have seen. And when I left here with my girlfriend last week, we're like, that looks lame. We're like, so lame. It's like history of gaming. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, that is it. That's the, that's the real stuff. Yeah, but you're right. There There is like priceless sort of stuff in here. And as we were just walking through the exhibition just now, you, you said something which I thought was pretty interesting, which is there there are a lot of collectors and enthusiasts around the world, but a lot of this stuff you just can't buy because it's so rare and so difficult to find and so old. Exactly, and and actually, uh, I think that um, it's a it's a good way to to tell that we are a small museum in a way, but also we're better. You know, like I think that we're better because if you go to a museum, actually, like uh, you go to a lot of museums that are involved in technology, like, uh, but you cannot really play the things that are being displayed yeah. here you can right. you know, like and that's the important thing and you're playing the original hardware so everything that those things you saw it for yourself you know like great the, point the motherboards everything is there it's exactly how it how it was created you know like and this is what it is so important so like okay some some museums they may have arcades and some collectors they also have arcades that uh, are just like the, uh, the same as ours and they're maybe they can be in a better condition but they're not playable you know totally totally <laughs> yeah so here it's imagine like an action figure box you know like where it's there and it's untouchable and then it's good to have it but you know like we i think that we it's we provide what everyone wants to 
to do it. We just people want to unbox it and play with that. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and for for people for people who are really interested in a lot of this stuff, I mean, there's just nowhere where you can see some of these things. And there's so many things inside the exhibition. I'll give you one example. I was just meeting with a friend for lunch today, and he mentioned that he came here and his favorite thing which he enjoyed here was missile command. And he said, you know, what, what happened to the ball? You know, the ball which you roll around to play Missile Command. He's like, why did that go away? That was so much fun, such a cool gameplay mechanism, such a cool controller. And it's something which we haven't seen in, in decades. And for anyone who knows what Missile Command is, you probably also know that there's nowhere where you've been able to play it for like 20 years. You know, almost nowhere has like a working Missile Command. It's the kind of thing that I remember from being a kid in like the 1990s. You would find it at like pizza places, you know, like an old Missile Command that still worked. But that stuff's been gone for so long now. And now you can come here to this exhibition and see that and just dozens of games like that, which are kind of kind of gone, you know, just not really anywhere. Exactly, yes. Uh, you, 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 you made a good point, you know, like, because also Missile Command is one of my favorite games, you know, like, it tells so much about it, you know, like, and also, you know, like, have you ever finished Missile Command? No. You know, like it just appears the end. Really? In in its yeah, because you know, like the game was conceived during the Cold War. It's a Cold War game. It's totally. a Cold War game. You know, like yeah. so people didn't have like their hopes very high. You know, right. like it's, I think this is also uh, interesting, like how the game developer, like how the game developers, how the games deeply is is deeply related related with the, with what was happening in the time you know like the same thing happens in science fiction of course and in the in the in, in it reflects on games so for example so like people were like um in the cold war missile command and also you have like uh, for example like the whole thing with uh, um the war and and people coming from other countries the communism for example like mm -hmm. <laughs> this yeah and um, this all um uh, uh, influence like in space invaders sort of game in space wars all related with the, what was happening at the time right totally and, and now we are, we have the the bubble from the then we go off a before more in time and then like uh, we don't we, we we don't worry so much about like invaders from, from the space you know like so we have more we realize that we have more um, problems with what's happening on earth right sure. so like with environmental problems so like we, we started like to create games also that involves the world destructions yeah. and things like this you know yeah so games i think that it's it reflects like what we are passing as well you know like totally yeah absolutely you made an interesting point which is just the maintenance of all these games and this is one thing which occurred to me the last time i visited this exhibition i was just thinking there are so so many consoles here there are so many arcades here and as you say it's all original hardware which i didn't really know until just a few moments ago that you opened one of the machines and showed me the circuit board what's involved with the upkeep of this place you know as we're recording this also i'll tell people who are listening to the audio podcast we are in some sort of maintenance room where there are tools all around here and there are a, about a half a dozen arcade stand-up machines what's involved with maintaining these machines because as i understand it you are sort of the main person responsible for this mm -hmm. so basically um Man, this is this is hard. I mean, how do you manage how do you manage all this uh, all of this hardware? Well, um, because you see, like uh, um, when something like, for example, I'm looking at right now to Mrs. Pac-Man. 
unfortunately she she she's sick now because like we we have a problem with the motherboard of Mrs. Peckman and there is a specific component a Rome 5 chip that you know like it's not something that you can just buy in Taobao yes. you know like <laughs> so something or even on eBay you can't you can't it's something that it has to be i have to when i have a problem with an arcade I, I, I instruct people like to unplug it immediately because otherwise it can get worse. You know, like so. Basically, I bring the motherboard and then I have to check it thing for thing, and it's it's something that takes a lot of time. And uh, because a lot of those things, you know, like they are irreplaceable because you cannot find it anymore. You know, like so. It's a, that this is hard, you know. To yeah. be honest, that's the I love my job, but this is that's the part that I that's very hard and tough, you know. Like, but I I like the challenge. But um, is it like soldering, you know, motherboard components to fix it? Loads of or? it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can show you right now. Yes, a lot of soldering, a lot of like. I can see your soldering station right there. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yes, and uh, it's a lot of anger that I have to pass as well because some things, you know, like they're very. They're very small to, sh to solder when you try yeah. to solder um, uh, uh, a ship, you know, like in a motherboard from the 80s, you know, right. like everything is, is a bit, you know, delicate, you know, like, so I have to be very careful with this. Of course. <laughs> so being responsible for so many machines here, which covers such a comprehensive period of time, you already mentioned that Missile Command is one of your favorite games. What are some of your other favorites? Are there any standouts for you that are like big milestones for, you know, uh, game development or games as a culture or any interesting examples which are special to you? Oh, yes. Uh, but I don't think that, you know, like uh, if I start talking about this, man, we're gonna, this is not, never going to end because I have so much good games. What are the first ones, you know, like, ones that come to mind? My mind like, because I think because you mentioned Mr. Command and so in talking about arcades, you know, like I love Asteroids as well because of the vector monitor the incredible you know, like monitor the, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think i've ever seen that before mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um i you can explain what it is better than i can but when i came here last time i played asteroids and i was with my girlfriend and we we're looking at the display and we we're like what is that display because the game is just black and white it's vector but it's so incredibly bright it's not like an lcd it's not like an oled or any kind of display exactly. technology like that it's like some bizarre thing what, <laughs> what is going on with the display in that well, um, the the display itself, like it's what actually there was like uh, other games that use the same technology per se. We'd call raster games, you know, like so um, as opposed as as in as in pixels, you know, like they're actually like electrons that are burning the screen pretty much, you know, like they're being shoot like uh, directly to the screen. That's why it makes it so bright, you know. So like um, so, for example, uh, other uses of this type of monitors would be like in pilot uh, in aircrafts where the pilot can't, can't be obscured by the direct sunlight so they, it has to be very bright and these were like uh, widely available in the 70s so like that's when people started like to do to, to create that as well and uh, talking about other things for example as well that you asked so, for example, like uh, something that was very important as well is like the Dragon's Lair, as we talked, you know, like Dragon's uh, Lair. Yeah, exactly. So that was uh, 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 a very uh, ingenious like example of like how uh, new technology, which is the laser disc, uh, uh, became, it became to exist. Like uh, people uh, already started trying to create something new, you know. Like so, this creativity. Like the creative of game developers, you know, of gamers themselves, you know, like it's something that it's 
blows my mind to this day. Yeah, as you said, I think it was like a Laserdisc game. Is that correct? Dragon's Lair? Um, yeah, it was pretty much... Uh, originally, it was uh, um, one of the platforms that was uh, developed for was 3DO. 3DO, uh, that's 3DO. it. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. That thing was, uh, it was like $500. I remember the 3DO. It had... Um, like Road Rash. There yeah, were, yeah. There were a hand, handful yeah, of games on 3DO. Stuff, man. Yeah. yeah, hey, man. Yeah, uh -huh. CGF, five yeah, years, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, 3DO. That was like a rich kid's console in America. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Any kid who had Very a 3DO. Very hard to maintain as well. Really? To be honest, like, we started, like, to... to I consider to put the uh, 3DO here, but man, it's hard to maintain. It was a little bit like it's, a Neo Geo, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We do have a few, a couple of Neo Geos in the show. Neo yeah. Geo had like the $100 cartridges. Yeah. Like super yeah, expensive yeah. Super cartridges. Expensive, yes. Expensive, yeah. So you can, who, you, who can't afford, you can come here and play those games, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. It's yeah, like yeah. the games I missed out on as a kid. Although Dragon's Lair, Road Rash, those those later came out on other platforms. What are some of your favorite consoles of all time? Like when you were a kid, what was your favorite? Ah, Super Nintendo, man. Hell yeah, man. No, give, day, me, give me five, yeah, yeah. buddy. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> the I other day, I, uh, actually, I was listening to your podcast as well. You were talking about Super Nintendo games as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, big yeah. Super Nintendo fan. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Super yeah. Nintendo is, uh, in my mind, the best console of all time, I think. Um, <laughs> I love it. Other too. ones are great, too. Every console has its own kind of special thing. Absolutely, But yes. uh, Super Nintendo, the mid-1990s, the whole Square era in particular, the whole mm -hmm. RPGs, um, Final Fantasy 2 and 3, Chrono Trigger, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, F-Zero, yeah. so many classics. Mm -hmm. You guys have a number of Super Nintendos here. I noticed a few games. We were talking about the original SimCity on Super Nintendo. You've got... Um, what other games on Super Nintendo are here? Well, um, actually, like we, we, of course, we do have like um, Super Mario World, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, classic. <laughs> yes, classics. Like uh, we used to. Uh, the thing is that we're trying to make to keep the show fresh, and there is so much things to change uh, because you see, let's say that um, we want to, like for record, uh, to give a, a new experience for recurrent visitors. So we changed the game sometimes, you know? And uh, so, for example, like, you didn't see Rock and Roll Racing. Yeah, oh, I yeah. love that one. That's Blizzard game. game. That you do have it, yes. And, um, great soundtrack. Yeah, great soundtrack. I think uh, uh, Rock and Roll Racing would be, like, in the music section. <laughs> totally. That, it's like that goofy 16-bit. Totally yeah, right? yeah, it's like Born to be Wild 16-bit version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, but SimCity as well, for example, you're talking yeah. about um, SimCity, right? So like uh, those games, they they put it like they use the SNES in such a way that it's they use the maximum that they could possibly use from a hardware, you know, like because actually the SNES obviously like the its memory capacity, like it's something that is very limited, yeah. But still, people are working the best that they could, you know. Yeah. And this is what I like. <laughs> totally. I wonder what uh, I wonder how many civil engineers and urban planners were influenced by SimCity <laughs> as a kid. It's got to be a huge number, oh you know. Oh my god. They're Absolutely, like industrial yes. over here and now we're going to have a highway and then residential <laughs> over here and it's like pe people are influenced by that kind of stuff, you know. They grow up into adults and they move into into that career perhaps. Mm -hmm. SimCity was one of those games where your parents really wanted you to play that. Yeah, you know, yes. it's like, don't yeah, play yes. Mortal Kombat, play SimCity. Play these, play SimCity, Yeah, Sim City, exactly. Yes. Try to make your citizens happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, I want a Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Street Fighter 2 is a great NES game as well. That is a great one, too. Yeah, yeah Street yeah. Fighter 2, I Mario saw... Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, Mario Kart, of course. 
and a lot of these are still alive and still doing well, which is amazing. I mean, Mario Kart is a hit game on Switch. Yeah. Uh, Super Nintendo, uh, sorry, uh, Street Fighter uh, Five just came out not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's amazing to see some of these retro franchises still um, sort of thriving, you know, to yeah, doing yeah. pretty to well, I think, day, in a lot of it's cases. crazy, yes. Sim City is one that's not doing well, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, if only we could get that one back. Mm-hmm. Um, the sale of Maxis to EA did not work out well for SimCity. Yeah, true. So how much longer does this exhibition go for? Well, the show is going to stay here until um, early, late October, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sorry, I should I should know that by, by head, but I think it's until um, November, October, something like this. Sorry that I don't know for sure. Okay, so yeah, I'll, I'll take this opportunity to just stress to anyone who's listening to this and, and is in Chengdu, make sure you come and visit this exhibition. Um, a lot of the people I've spoken to have said, and I agree with this, that one visit is kind of not enough because there's so much stuff here. The first time I came, I stayed for three hours <laughs> and it felt like I had missed a lot. So it's, it's such a good thing. People in Chengdu should absolutely take the opportunity to visit this. But I'm curious... Were you in other places besides Chengdu before this exhibition, or are you going to another city or another country after this, or what does the schedule look like? Well, um, I'm not sure actually where the exhibition is going to go next, because, um, but for sure it's going to go somewhere. Um, but before, let's see, before Chengdu, the exhibition was in Shenzhen. And, uh, and, bef- and actually it was the first time this exhibition of this magnitude was here in China. And... I- Actually, in Asia, and uh, before that, um, no, not in Asia because we we were in Japan. Of course, I'm sorry, yeah. of course, we were in Japan. Of course, yeah, the exhibition was a huge success there. Like Man, you have no idea. Half the no stuff idea. here is Japanese. There was I, I have a, a, a small video that I'm going to show you, uh, that to show you the amount of people because Japanese they love games, of right? Course. Like this is also ingrained into them. And uh, and the, the exhibition there was like one of the most popular shows that it was in the museum. It was in the Miraikan Museum, the exhibition of emerging technology, and uh, and also like we had like the, our game on in Japan was so good, and also we had like a lot of, for example, the creator of the guy, the guy who created Space Invaders, he went to the show. Wow. He went there. He wow. gave some things to us as well. Like we have a lot, we had a lot of creators like of. Uh, the, that were there, you know, sure. like not only from Space Invaders, but also from Virtual Fighter, for example. Yeah. Um, and and also people who are giving things to us, you know, like to show exhibition, like for example, the MSX that we have in the show, it came, it, it was given by us by a private collector that we met in Japan. He loved the exhibition, he gave it to us. That's you know? one of the retro consoles, right? Yes, exactly, yes. That makes sense, We're playing um, uh, Castlevania now. Castlevania, and okay, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, so much of the hardware inside here is from Japan. Yeah. And also, Japan is, you know, near China, they're both East Asian countries, so they have a lot in common, but in terms of video games, Man, very different, you know, because Japanese people who are like our age or or in their 20s or 30s, they grew up with a lot of these games and they had them like their whole life. You know, they grew up with the Famicom and then the Super Nintendo and then the PlayStation and all these are Japanese. And here in China, they had none of that. Mm-hmm. You know, but now the game industry in China is way bigger than Japan. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's not because of consoles, not because of arcades. Mm-hmm. You know, that stuff is sort of irrelevant here almost. So mm-hmm. it is expected that there would be a bigger crowd in Japan. 
but it is cool that Chinese people can take interest in this thing which they didn't have as a kid, they didn't grow up with really. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yes. I've heard from some Chinese people that they had access to a Famicom when they were like a child, uh -huh. but it's very rare, you know, because uh -huh. China was very poor in like the 1980s and 1990s, yeah, yeah, yeah. so. Very closed as well. Like very they, closed. They were forbidden for a while, you know? Oh, actually game consoles were banned, like in yeah, the yeah, entire yeah. country until about three years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just a few That's years ago. Until recently, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they were available before then, but they were all illegally imported. Mm -hmm. So even at in you know when the Famicom was new, it was available in China just by illegally importing it. Mm -hmm. You know that's the only way you could get it. You couldn't buy it like in you store or something like it, that. Yeah. yeah. So it almost has sort of like a legendary, you know, vibe to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like people in China are like, oh yeah, I had a Famicom when I was a kid. It's like, oh my god, wow, it's like something <laughs> that's super special. Whereas for me, like when I was a kid. Every, everyone wanted to play Nintendo, you know, yeah, it was like yeah, incredibly yeah. popular, like mm -hmm. everyone had exposure to it. If you didn't have it, then you knew someone who had it. And it's like always been a part, you know, of, of American culture since the beginning of the 1980s. Uh -huh, gotcha. And I think that's very interesting. This changes from country to country, you know, like that's not only, of course, like China, it's a uh, a special example because of the band, but uh, for example, they, uh, the show has been everywhere, right? So before Japan, we were in uh, also in South America. We were in Argentina. We went to Canada, and uh, there is always something. For example, like in in uh, in Argentina, people some some of the gamers that was talking there, like they they really wanted like to they they never saw like for example a Sega controller or oh, a, a Sega console, you know? Oh, wow. The, never? The, the Mega Drive Sega, yeah? Because it's never so, like, there. Uh, it was just not popular there, you know? Like, so when they saw it, they said, oh my God, what is this? They said, what? I'm, I, we're in, we were in Brazil, and Brazil is right next to it. Like, you, you guys didn't have this? No. No, we didn't. Oh, that's you know, funny. Like, so, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, how, yeah, depending where you are, like, some things are not accessible. That's why it's cool about, that, that's why I think it's cool with the show as well, because you can see things, you know, like that. Yeah, there's so many things, so many things which are unfamiliar to me in this exhibition, like the MSX, which mm -hmm. you mentioned, which plays mm -hmm. Castlevania, which, yeah, I played, Dracula, yeah. I played Castlevania, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like all the way from the first one, but uh -huh. I never heard of an MSX, mm -hmm. you know? And some of these things are just so old. They're like way before even my time, you know, like Commodore 64. And it's like, yeah. I don't remember that, you know? You know, the Commodore 64 that we have to this day, like having the show, we have, it takes like maybe five minutes for you to, like a full five minutes for you to just to put it on the game. You know, like we have to, we have to, we switch it on every, we switch on every morning and then we have to, we, there is, there are a lot of lines of commands that you have to type until you reach the game, you know, like it's not just like plug it and play, you know? Wow. So this is those. It's like a section, computer. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah, it is. The Commodore 64, it is a computer. Like this, this is the, the, the Spectrum that we are, uh, that we're playing. Um, Spectrum is another one of these obscure consoles. Yes, and it that's, is. Uh, Manic Miner, for example, is a game that's very, very popular. Is it American it, Spectrum um, or Japanese? Uh, it's American, I believe. Okay. Yes. And uh, also Amiga, the Amiga console that we also have here, it's playing Lemmings. It's, uh, it's a very interesting console as well because it was a personal computer. People also decided like, to use that uh, to make like early animations, you know? Uh, but then, of course, like people started to 
use it to play games, you know? Yeah. Uh, same thing with Break, Breakout as well. That's uh, the game Breakout. Sure. That, uh, that was, uh, Steve Wozniak has a touch on it as well, you know? Oh, does he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Apple Steve Wozniak. Apple Steve Wozniak. Yeah, yeah. So he, basically, he used to be part of like, uh, um, uh, of some, you know, like people who not many back at his time you know like you have like a computer computer centered like communities right yeah and he was really involved like with uh you know like of course he created like the apple too right right so, but he created also uh, he's responsible for to, for creating a game that's called breakout oh really very very popular i as didn't well. know that yeah it's almost and like a pong almost like a pong type pretty much game. Yeah, yeah yeah and, and you know like it's uh he he's the main developer of this game as well and there's another guy as well that he he worked with, but he you know like um, he did that game for the. Some people say that actually he, the whole Apple too, like some things that he created, it was because of the game, you know, like so it was the other oh, way around. Yeah, yeah so he, he he did it in order to play Breakout. <laughs> that makes sense. That's interesting. You mentioned that you have a background in software engineering, right? Mm -hmm. How was it that you learned to? you know, maintain and repair all these hardware arcade machines? Was that difficult for you to do? Or how do you get started doing that? Well, um, you know, like people were maintaining the exhibition before me. I've been working with this show for seven years. But uh, well, when I got in, it was already pretty much over seven years already running. Yeah. So I, I, I've learned a lot from them, you know, like from from from. Uh, from the producers, from from the tech, from the technicians as well that was working already with the show, and also, uh, but the internet man, yeah. <laughs> the internet, and uh, and forums. It's basically my main, um, and also like YouTube channels. To be honest, like sure. a lot of like um, uh, retro gamers, and uh, and we we use them. You know, like as uh, I use them, like as it was like a huge. Um, uh, help for me, for in order for me to understand and try to, 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 to maintain the exhibition. You know, like from retro owners from forums. You know, like yeah. from there are like guys who are still are like related with Twin Galaxies, for example. Mm -hmm. Like uh, there is still there keep the whole thing living because they have some of them. They have this those machines in their own homes. You know, so like um, basically it's forums and internet and original manuals. <laughs> yeah, there must be like online communities of people who talk about this sort of hardware and repair it and things like that, right? Yes, That's exactly. I've never heard of that. I'm sure it must exist. No, if you, you know? put on YouTube, for example, like arcade repair tips. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> you're going to see a lot of people. And, and for example, that's something... Um, that is something like... Uh, that is actually very interesting, for example. So for example... We, I'm looking to Mrs. Pac-Man right now that I, I, I still have to troubleshoot it, yeah? So when I, there is something that I cannot fix, we have to send to someone who can fix it, yeah? When I can't. Yeah. And it's not like anyone who can fix it, you know? Like, so actually, there is a guy. We have a guy for the Mrs. Pac-Man. We have a guy for the, oh, this guy is good with Dig Dug. Sure machines you know like this guy oh this the donkey kong guy you so know? you like, like email so him there, or something there or? are special like there are guys who are like specialized you know like in certain arcades you know like because mostly because it's their favorite you know like so they know everything that there is about it so if there is a problem you know like um they know as soon as they what they they look oh i know what problem it is you know like the, uh, the, the the screen is, fl is flickering in in, the, in a certain way so it's probably the ship number 37 wow in the 
A column, you know? Wow. <laughs> That's how precise they are. Yeah. You know, like, that, this is something very, very interesting, I think, as well. Super interesting. You're like a, you're like a retro game surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, know? But, you know, like, I just learned from those guys, you know, like, from older guys who are good enough to sh and and to share their knowledge you know like because they create they make tutorials they, they you know like they they answer to forums as well and every and when i can i do the same because you know like that's all, what community is about right yeah so if someone is having a problem with their arcades and if i in a, in in a and i'm there in the thread and i know it man i'm gonna do my best to try to help this guy because i was helped you know like and this is how we make the whole thing work you know Spread like so, to be honest I'm not I'm, I am physically here maintaining the exhibition in the arcades but you know like but people from all over you know like I feel that they contributed for the show of course you know, like, of <laughs> course yeah that makes so much sense that's such a nice thing to say nice way to think about it too well thank you so much for doing this for doing such a great thing for the city of Chengdu and for the history of games it's just such a wonderful exhibition uh, really a pleasure to visit and great to be joined by you on this podcast. So uh, thank you very much. The last question I'd like to ask you is uh, if there's any kind of message you would like to give to people who uh, would like to visit this exhibition or any kind of note for people who visit. Well, um, if, uh, if, if any of the listeners from, from CGF uh, is coming to the show, um, let's just give them like... Um, Tell them to look for me, you know, like tell them that, you, you know, like I, I listen to the podcast and I'll, I'll make sure that I'll, I'll give them, I'll try to, to ask them to, to give them a tour, you know, like I'm, it's going to be my pleasure because, you know, like um, you've been doing a lot of, as well, you know, like for, for the community here, you know, like for the games and this is something that um, it's, you know, like you, you, you what are you doing here? You do it as well, you know, like you, you're all about like the preservation of history you know like and maintaining our culture alive man so this is yeah so please if anyone who's come here and that is listening to the podcast just look for leo yeah let me know and i'll, I'll make sure to try to give them a, a ex exclusive view of the show yeah <laughs> great thanks so much man